from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, coming up on this Monday edition. We're going to do everything we can to help guide people, get them the information they need uh, to get out safely. But it is not safe right now uh, for uh, another evacuation attempt. That would actually put Americans in more danger, not less. That was National Security Council spokesman John Kirby this morning with an update on the evacuation of U.S. personnel from Sudan. Now, this is the fourth embassy the U.S. has had to evacuate in the two and a half years since the Biden administration took over. Is this the result of failed foreign policy? Well, we're going to explore that question. Also, I'm going to be discussing out throughout this whole week the ongoing need to protect unborn children in this post-Roe world. The Dobbs decision did not outlaw abortion. It simply took it out of the hands of the courts and it put it into the hands of policymakers in Congress and state legislatures. But some conservatives in Washington are backing up from the issue. Now, that's why it's so encouraging to see interviews like this on CNN yesterday, where South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham did not back up one inch on the issue. What the Democratic Party proposes on abortion is barbaric. Uh, abortion up to the moment of birth, taxpayer funded, well, I think is barbaric. I welcome this debate. Well, I think the Republican Party will be in good standing to oppose late term abortion like most of the civilized world. Senator Graham joins us in just a moment. And Senator Graham is not the only Republican leader speaking out on behalf of life. In 2022, a lot of Republican candidates took their D.C. consultants' bad advice to ignore the subject. Then what happened? Democrats spent $360 million running ads filled with lies about abortion, and most Republicans had no response. When you don't respond, the lies become the truth. That was the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee last Thursday night in California, Ronna McDaniel. Now, you know that uh, I've called her out before when she's been wrong on some issues. But for the last year and a half, she has been hitting these issues hard on the right side, just basically beating the RNC, the GOP platform, just, just telling people this is where we stand. Well, she's going to join us a little bit later. We're going to talk about it. And speaking of the court and abortion, the Supreme Court issued a temporary decision Friday night in a lawsuit against the, ADA, uh, against the FDA over the abortion pill that our friends at ADF, friends at, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom, had filed. Now, what did the court decide and what does it mean? For women's health. We're going to talk with Eric Baptist, senior counsel with ADF. And finally, the nation has experienced storms from coast to coast this spring that have caused significant damage and the loss of life. We're going to get an update from Franklin Graham on the efforts of Samaritan's Purse and how you can help your neighbors in Jesus' name. That's coming up later here on Washington Watch. And my thanks to uh, Jody Heiss for filling in both Thursday and Friday for me. I was with some great folks, listeners of Washington Watch, on Thursday night in Jackson, Tennessee, at a dinner for birth choice, a very, very effective pro-life ministry. Well, our word for today comes from Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. 
Now, this is referring to the new covenant, where the old covenant was focused on the external. The new covenant is focused on the internal, a new heart, a new spirit, a new mind, the working of the Holy Spirit that came after Jesus was resurrected and ascended into heaven. With this new heart, we want to follow God and we want to obey him. It's not about a set of rules being enforced like a elementary school teacher during quiet time. This we do out of love. Jesus said this in John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Now, we're more than a year and a half away, but the 2024 presidential election is already gaining steam with the battle to protect life emerging as a key campaign issue. Well, given the massive opportunity the Supreme Court paved the way for last June to protect the unborn, how should conservative leaders advance such measures? Well, join me now by phone to discuss this in more is Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Judiciary Committee, where he is the ranking member. Senator, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much for all you've done on this cause. I appreciate it. Well, uh, I played a clip of you yesterday on the CNN uh, you, uh, the State of the Union, you are not backing up. Some Republicans are kind of hiding from this issue after the midterm. You have been consistent on this, saying this is an issue we need to talk about. Well, yeah, Tony, uh, when you look at the world, I mean, what kind of America do you want to live in? 50 of 53 European nations, I'm talking about Europe here, have limits on abortion at 15 weeks or less. North Korea and China allow abortion on demand up to the moment of birth. And no matter what the Democratic Party tells you, their bill, the Women's Health Care Protection Act, whatever you call it, allows abortion on demand up to the moment of birth with taxpayer funds. Most Americans are very uh, supportive of the idea of banning late-term abortions. My bill is at 15 weeks. We know science tells us that a baby has a developed heart, lungs, feels pain at 15 weeks. And like the civilized world, I'd like to draw the line there and to my Republican colleagues. If we can't muster the courage post-Dobbs to tell the country that we are against late-term abortion, then we've lost our way. So, Senator, um, the heartbeat bill, in fact, the Governor DeSantis in Florida signed that into law last week. That's a six-week uh, measure. Right. Uh, the, the, the fetal pain bill that you're talking about, 15 weeks. I mean, this is when a child is basically in the womb sucking its thumb. It can feel pain. Uh, th- these are not extreme positions that you're advocating for. So I want to ask two questions of you. Number one, I, I want to talk about some of your Republican colleagues who are now saying, after four decades of championing the unborn and the need for a constitutional amendment to protect life from the moment of conception, now to saying this is a state's issue and we don't need to deal with it in Washington, D.C. How do you respond to that? Well, I respond very negatively. It's a human rights issue. Under my legislation, uh, Tony, states can be more restrictive, right? The six-week bill in South Carolina and Florida, that's okay. But at 15 weeks, we draw a line as a nation. Why do we do that? Because at 15 weeks, almost four months, the baby is well-developed, can feel pain, and we don't want to be a barbaric nation like North Korea and China. So, you know, they tried this states' rights approach to slavery. You know, it was in my state, to be honest with you. What did we learn over time? that owning human beings in one state is bad for the country as a whole. Here's what I think. America needs to get right on this issue. No matter where you're conceived, 
course, in Massachusetts, California, Ohio, uh, Maryland, Oregon, no matter where you're conceived, at 15 weeks, you're a well-developed, unborn child that can feel pain. We ought to draw the line there as a nation. And to my uh, Republican colleagues, Dobbs did not take the pain away from the child. I'm for, I'm against late-term abortions before Dobbs and after Dobbs. I've always been that way. Nothing the court did makes it any better for the baby at 15 weeks to be dismembered. So it's not a state's rights issue at all to me. It is a human rights issue. Let's talk for just a moment about the issue that others are bringing up within the Republican Party, saying that politically... Uh, this is a losing issue for us. Look what happened in the in the 2020 midterm, uh, 2022 midterm election. Um, how do you respond to this as being a liability issue? Well, when you look at where America is, so at 15, 20 weeks, late-term abortions, about 70% of those. The candidates like J.D. Vance and Ted Budd and others who said, I will stand up for the unborn child to make sure they're not uh, dismembered when they can feel pain all one the reason we're not doing as well as we should is we don't engage you saw me on cnn i have absolutely no problem looking any democrat or any journalist and die and say that when you allow abortion on demand up to the moment of birth with taxpayer funding that's barbaric the american people are with us but we got to stand up and fight ronald mcdaniel has been absolutely awesome I'm trying to set a minimum federal standard, national standard. You can do more at the state level. You can go regulate abortion at, you know, uh, like we, we talked about with Florida. But at 15 weeks, we draw a line. We stop the barbaric dismembering of a child that can feel pain. We will win this issue if we engage. Because when you ask the Democrat, what limits do you have, they will never give you an answer. Uh, Senator Graham, I think the evidence suggests that you are absolutely right. When you look at the midterm election and you look at the amount of money spent by Democrats to promote the their position on abortion, or actually really to attack the Republicans and misconstrue their position, they spent $358 million. This is according to the Politico. Republicans spent $37 million discussing the issue. So if you don't engage and you don't talk about what right. your position is, you're not going to win. You're not going to win the debate. Well, okay, let's say you're on a debate, this stage, a debate stage with a Democratic opponent, and the issue of abortion comes up. The answer is not build a wall. The answer is that if I go to Congress, I will make America like the civilized world, not China, not North Korea. I will vote to limit late-term abortions, turn to your opponent, and ask them, what would you do when it comes to the rights of the unborn right. to a baby that is well-developed that can feel pain? When do you draw the line if you draw it at all? If you'll engage that Democrat, they will stumble all over themselves, or they'll get the left mad if they, they have limits. So it is a winning issue only if you fight back. Right. And, and, and you and I have discussed this before. You know, um, you and I have discussed where we stand on the issue of life. And this is about building consensus. I am pro-life from the moment of conception on, and I think every child right. conceived in America should be protected under our laws. But we also understand that we have to build consensus. And as you pointed out, there's consensus on a bill that would protect unborn children from the point that they feel pain and they're sucking their thumb. There's 70 percent consensus. So that's a good starting point. And, and I'm going to continue to talk to your colleagues and colleagues. Congress to say this is a place we need to be. It's not something we need to run 
from. Uh, Senator, I want to very quickly, I got two minutes left. I want to transition to another topic. You and I have spent a lot of time talking about foreign policy. I was in Sudan right before uh, COVID shut the world down, meeting with the prime minister there uh, before that country began to fracture. We're now seeing the fourth embassy in two and a half years having to be evacuated under the Biden administration. Does their foreign policy and their weakness that's being portrayed internationally have anything to do with this? Yeah, I think so, Tony. Sudan was on the terrorist watch list, and under Trump, it actually got off. You gotta, you gotta have people have to have confidence in you. Afghanistan withdrawal, which was a debacle and shameful, started this. Nobody trusts America anymore. Here's what I would tell the Sudanese: any group that harms one hair on an American's head, we will come after you and hunt you down to the ends of the earth. That's the only thing people over there understand. So, if you want to protect Americans, you got to be strong, not weak. Well, I hope that they get that message, and I hope we have an administration that will absolutely follow up uh, with that. Senator Lindsey Graham, always great to uh, talk with you. Thank you again for standing firm on the sanctity of human life. Thank you. We're not going to give in. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Senator Lindsey Graham of uh, South Carolina. All right. We're going to continue talking about this. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about it uh, through the week. I've had some conversations with Republican leadership over the weekend. I, I, they don't need to run from this issue. I don't care if it is a political liability. It's not. But even if it were, you don't run from the right thing. You stand firm for what is true. And protecting unborn children is the right thing to do. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about the Supreme Court and the decision they issued late Friday pertaining to the abortion pill. What does that decision mean? That's next. We'll go away. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org.
Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, by the way, next week, next Thursday, May the 4th, National Day of Prayer, we're actually going to be doing a dedication of our facility in Baton Rouge and in our Faith and Freedom Chapel, a National Day of Prayer event. If you're in the area, you can join us. We invite you to come and be a part of that to uh, RSVP. Simply text the word PRAYER to 67742. That's 67742, the word PRAYER to RSVP for Thursday night, May the 4th at 6 p.m. Late Friday, the U.S. Supreme Court pressed pause on a federal court's decision that restored critical safeguards to the dangerous abortion pill. The decision resulted from Alliance Defending Freedom's lawsuit on behalf of Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine and several other clients, which continues in the lower courts. Joining me now to uh, break down the takeaways from the court's decision Friday night is Alliance Defending Freedom Senior Counsel Eric Baptist, who has worked tirelessly on this case. Eric, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me. So let's start first by explaining the court's actions from Friday. The court essentially hit the pause button on our victories from the lower courts, both at the district court level and the Court of Appeals at the Fifth Circuit. We had prevailed largely in all of our claims, and the Supreme Court came in without any comment or opinion and hit the pause button on that and said, well, pause on the effect of your victories until the Supreme Court has a second chance to review the merits of our case. So this is, a, this is no definitive decision, just saying oh, we're going to let this go through the process and we're not going to short-circuit the process. We're going to allow the policy to stay in place that this administration has put uh, forward, and we're going to let the courts decide whether or not they, uh, they breach their boundaries. That's exactly what the court did here, just kind of hit the pause on this, because what we're, we are asking is relatively ambitious in the sense of we're asking to take this drug off the marketplace and restore previous safeguards. And maybe that was too much too soon for the court, and they just wanted to slow things down and go through the normal process. But, but Eric, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is on an expedited track. So the, the court is going to move expeditiously on this. We're not talking a year. We're not talking two years. This is something that's going to happen pretty soon. That's correct. This still maintains that we, we are on a very expedited schedule. There's no rest for the weary, unfortunately. And we're going to be in front of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals on May 17th. So this is going to get fully briefed up in the next few weeks. And then they're going to hear our case on the merits 
prior appeals were done on the emo emergency motions by the government. So this is the first time we're going to actually have the merits being heard by both uh, the Fifth Circuit and maybe one day the Supreme Court. So let's talk about that for just a moment. Then we're going to get into the merits of the case. So the 17th of May, the Fifth Circuit hears the, uh, the uh, arguments in this case. What happens next? Well, then we're going to wait for the court to decide, and that could be a matter of a month or two or three. But because we've sought expedited review, we hope sometime this summer the Fifth Circuit will come back with its opinion and favorable in, in support of our claims. Then you expect it to be appealed. I, I would think the Fifth Circuit uh, most likely is going to see the merits in your arguments. Uh, I mean, that's speculation on my part, but knowing some of the justices there, uh, the judges there. So then it would most likely end up back before the Supreme Court? That's exactly right. If we prevail at the Fifth Circuit, the Biden administration and the FDA, they're going to go right back to the Supreme Court and ask for relief. Okay. So now, Eric, let's get into the merits, the the elements of your lawsuit. Let's talk about those. What were your major objectives, uh, objections with this policy that the Biden administration put forth? From day one, the FDA has violated federal laws and even the agency's own regulations. So we have asked the court to hold the FDA accountable for failing to follow the law when approving these drugs back in the year 2000 to the subsequent actions where they took away basic protections for women and girls who do take these drugs. Um, from the beginning, the FDA considered pregnancy as an illness and argued that chemical abortion drugs provide a meaningful therapeutic benefit. We know that's not true, but that was the only way they could justify their approval in 2000 to use their fast track approval authority. So that, again, the district court agreed with us on this claim, but also Congress, when it delegated its authority to the FDA to be the nation's drug gatekeeper, it gave specific instructions to the FDA on how to approve a new drug if it is to approve it. And basically it said, it, you need to study the safety and effectiveness of a drug under the approved conditions of use, under as directed by the label. That is something the FDA has not done for the last two decades and change. That means they have reviewed a protocol that's never been a part of the approved regimen, in particular, ultrasounds. They've never required ultrasounds, but almost all of their studies include that basic safety protocol to identify life-threatening complications, to confirm gestational age, because as the woman gets farther along with her baby's gestational age, the more likely there will be complications. So we are asking the courts to, again, hold the FDA accountable for failing to follow the law here, because when agencies fail to follow the law, what happens? Serious consequences flow, right. in particular, harms to women and girls. To, to that point about the gestational age, this abortion pill is designed for uh, the first trimester. I mean, this is for the early stages of pregnancy and can create significant health repercussions for the mother if it is taken at a different time or at a later stage. So that's one reason there was a requirement that they have interaction with a medical provider to determine exactly where they are in pregnancy. Isn't that correct? That's correct. It was the Biden administration said took the doctor, took the health care provider out of the equation and said, you don't need to meet with that doctor to be screened for these type of complications or gestational age. You can just do this by phone, by computer, and obtain these drugs. That's reckless, dangerous, and frankly illegal. And I would just, one final point I would make on that, Eric, is that in 2000, these were still a minority of the abortions being performed in this country by this pill. Now they're the majority. So this is even more significant in terms of its health uh, implications for women. 
Exactly right. Now over 50% of abortions are committed by chemical means. And what we've seen correspond with that is an escalation by 500% of emergency room visits by women after abortions, in particular because of the chemical abortion drug. All right, uh, Eric Baptist, I want to thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule as you prepare for that May 17th date. And we're going to encourage our folks to pray for you as you make those arguments before the uh, the Fifth Circuit. And as always, we appreciate all that the Alliance Defending Freedom does on behalf of our freedoms. Thank you very much for your prayers and support. All right, uh, Eric Baptist. And folks, I would encourage you to do that. Mark that on your calendar. May the 17th, we obviously will be following back up and we will... Uh, be covering it probably that day or the day after. But in the meantime, be praying for them. Coming up next, been a very active spring with storms, tornadoes, and we're going to hear from Franklin Graham, CEO of Samaritan's Purse, after the break to talk about how they are responding all across the country. Don't go away. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org slash worldview. Again, go to frc.org slash worldview. This is Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday. Be sure and check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. All right. Well, this has been a very active spring with tornadoes uh, hitting multiple states. In fact, last week, uh, multiple tornadoes struck through Oklahoma, uh, killing three and causing millions in damage throughout the state. And, you know, when disaster strikes, whether it's in Oklahoma, Ukraine or Sudan, Samaritan's Purse response, working with emergency management officials, local churches and hundreds of volunteers to bring relief 
and healing in Jesus' name. Well, join me now to discuss what his team is doing in various parts of the country and the world is Franklin Graham, CEO of Samaritan's Purse. Franklin, good to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to join us today. Thank you, Tony, for having me. So you recently deployed a team to Oklahoma after tornadoes uh, tore through that state, but that was on top of uh, about a half dozen other states that you were working in. Uh, We are. We're working in uh, uh, six states right now, uh, responding to tornadoes and also the the flood down in uh, the Fort Lauderdale area. We responded to that. Uh, This has been a very active year for storms. Uh, And so, uh, you know, Tony, it's, it's just it's a mess. You go in and you try to help the people that have lost uh, the most, uh, the uninsured, uh, people who cannot uh, build back. Uh, these are the people we try to focus on. We we clean off the lots. We take chainsaws and cut the trees up, uh, move the debris out to the road where the county or the city will, will haul it away. And for those that, that are uninsured, we look for ways to maybe help them rebuild or uh, uh, giving them a, a mobile home. Uh, we've just recently become a mobile home dealer uh, and we've got a, a factory down in uh, Georgia that will build them to our specifications. And so we're going to, we're going, we are going to replace uh, so far about 40 mobile homes. Uh, these are people that would qualify uh, as having no money, no insurance, and they won't survive unless uh, somebody helps them. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a very active, active year, but we want to always respond in Jesus' name. I want people to know about God. I want them to know that God loves them, that these storms aren't God bringing disaster on them. He's not responsible for the storms. We're reading the Bible. Uh, we believe that, that Satan is behind these storms. And uh, he wants to destroy. He wants to destroy you and me, and uh, he wants to destroy the world. And so I think we respond, and we do it in Jesus' name, and we help as many as we can. We can't help them all, but we help as many as we can, Tony. And, and I can attest to that. I've seen that firsthand myself. Just by you know comparison, how active is this year in terms of the natural disasters? We see them from coast to coast. Is Are we seeing an uptick in this? Oh, that's a hard question, Tony. I don't know. Uh, there's no question there's, there, there is a climate change. Uh, and I think maybe climate change goes in cycles. We certainly saw that in the scripture where it didn't rain for years at a time. And so it's not um, it's not unusual for the world to experience these kinds of things. But I just think in our lifetime, no question we're seeing a, a, a shift in the weather patterns. And so it, we've had some violent storms, but is it worse than maybe years ago? You know, years ago, we just didn't report them. But now yeah. you have uh, uh, everybody's got a cell phone that's got a, a motion picture camera built right. into it. And so we, we see a lot more, but whether there's actually more, I don't know. But it, it, the one thing is for certain, we need to be prepared and we need to be able to help. Mm-hmm. And that's what Samaritan's Purse yeah. is doing. And people can partner with you at Samaritan's mm-hmm. Purse by A, volunteering. You always need volunteers. And then financially, they can support you. Tell our viewers and listeners how they can do that. Well, we, we certainly need volunteers uh, because that's that's... That's the key, having an army of men and women that could go in Jesus' name and, and, and just have strong backs and strong arms and, and are willing to go in and just help clean off uh, a person's home or the, the lots, whatever the case may be. Uh, yes, and we do need financial help. Uh, but I would say more importantly, more than anything else, we need your prayers. Uh, we, we need people to pray for us that we'll not only be safe in harm's way, but we'll uh, be there to be the hands and the feet and the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ as we minister to people that really are truly hurting, that have ex- ex- experienced a disaster, 
and they just don't feel that they can, can continue. And, and we want to comfort people like that. Uh, Franklin, uh, very quickly, we're almost out of time, but you mentioned danger in Sudan. You have uh, people in Sudan you've had to evacuate out given the uh, what's happening in that country. Tell us about that. Well, we, we had to get our people out of Khartoum. Uh, we were able to uh, get a couple of buses and uh, put them in, put our people. We had seven staff uh, and their dependents, about 24 people. And then we had Sudanese people that want to ride too. So we threw them in the bus, said, let's go. It was a 48 hour deal uh, to get them down to Port Sudan where uh, they're still under government control there. It's, uh, we're just waiting now to evacuate them out of there. Because uh, some of our staff have uh, visas or have passports from other countries. And so it's a, a little bit difficult. They're not all Americans. Uh, uh, they are, you know, passport holders from right. some African countries that work for us. So, but we're going to take care of all of our people, make sure they get home. Uh, very quickly, I was in Khartoum uh, just a, a little less than three years ago. Um, what's happened there? I mean, they were moving on a, a, a looked like a good track. What happened? Well, the the European Union uh, invested a lot of money uh, in training into the Janjaweed. Uh These were the radical Muslims out of Darfur, and they, they they organized them into what they called the Rapid Response Force. Or gave them uniforms, gave them some training, thinking that these Janjaweed would be able to bring stability to that part of of Sudan. Well, unfortunately, the Janjaweed uh, have other ideas, and they're wanting now to take control of the country. And this is the RSF that has been sponsored, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe uh, largely uh, in part by the European Union. Right. And it's a disaster. It and it's, is. It's just destroying the country. It, it certainly is. Uh, Franklin Graham, always great to see you, and uh, thanks so much for taking time to join us today. Thank you. And, folks, I would encourage you Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com, and if you can volunteer or help Samaritan's Purse, do that. Don't go away. On the other side of the break, Rana McDaniel, Republican National Committee Chairwoman, joins me. Don't go away. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND 
and to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom, and you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. Welcome back, folks. This is Washington Watch, and I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. Website, TonyPerkins.com. And by the way, as I mentioned a little bit ago, if you're in the Baton Rouge area, we have a new facility down there. We have a chapel, the Faith and Freedom Chapel. And next Wednesday, uh, next Thursday, that's May the 4th, not this coming Thursday, but the following, we'll be dedicating that facility and be host, we'll be hosting a National Day of Prayer service. If you'd like to uh, to join us, if you're in the area, just text the word prayer to 67742. That's 67742, the word prayer. And uh, we'll give you information about that. You know, I continue to emphasize the need for pro-life candidates to go on the offense for protecting the unborn. It's nothing we have to be ashamed of. We need to talk about it. You know, for the last 40-plus years, that has been a, a fundamental issue for Republican conservative candidates. Now, the surest path to losing elections comes from refusing to speak about the issue. Well, fortunately, that message for Republican candidates is emphasized by Republican National, the Republican National Party, the RNC, from the very top. They're not backing away from this issue. They're embracing it. They know it's important. It's not a political issue. It's a fundamental issue of human dignity and human rights. Well, join me now to talk about this and more is Ronna McDaniel, chair of the Republican National Committee. Ronna, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me, Tony. I played a clip at the top of the program of your speech last week in California at the Reagan Presidential Library, where you didn't back off at all on the life issue. In fact, you said the party needs to embrace this and go on the offense, talking about why we want to protect unborn children and where the other party stands on this issue. Well, we should be so proud to be the pro-family, pro-life party. This is a great place to be. It's a compassionate place to be. It's where most Americans are also, Tony. So what we need to do is push back on Democrats who want gender selection abortions. They want taxpayer-funded abortions. They are in line with North Korea and China with allowing abortions up until a baby's due date. These are things that are out of step with the civilized world. And we need to push back on the Democrats. We cannot back away from being pro-life, 
But if we put our head in the sands and say this is an issue we're uncomfortable talking about, the Democrats will define us, and we need to be out there defining ourselves and defining them. You know, uh, Rana, I have to say, you, you and I, have, where we've had disagreements, we've talked about it. But I, I have to say, you're providing some leadership on this that I've, quite frankly, not seen from the party establishment. You know, sometimes we got we got members of Congress that will be out front there. But here, you are leading the party on this issue because we've seen some in Congress, some of our friends getting a little wobbly on this. This issue is important to you, and you see it not as a political issue, but one that defines what this party stands for. Well, Tony, like I said, you and I have had, have had differences, and we've come together on so many things. But one thing we do believe is if you don't stand for something, then what are we, right? And our values are what make us Americans and what make us Republicans. And as a mother, uh, as somebody who life is so fundamental to, of, of, I have two children, we have to show compassion, but we also have to push back on the Democrats. They're, mm-hmm. they're the ones in the position that's not compassionate. Could you imagine a baby on its due date saying that's okay when it can live? Uh, a healthy life. Can you imagine knowing now what we know with science that babies feel excruciating pain at 15 15 weeks and not changing our policies? And Democrats won't even say, what is an abortion they're against? Put them on the defensive. We're running away. We should stand right in their face and say, tell me, when do you think it's all right to fight for the unborn? When do you think it's time for us to stand up for that baby? They'll be silent. They have no answer. And, and, I, and I just want to say, for the benefit of our listeners and viewers, I have seen you in closed-door settings with Republicans pu- that who are pushing back on this issue say the very same thing. So you are, you're saying the same thing in public as you have said in private, and I, I, I commend you for that, and that's why you're on the program talking about that. You said when we don't respond, the lies become the truth. That's exactly what we saw in the midterm elections. Many Republicans were afraid to talk about this issue, and so as you pointed out, the Democrats defined it. And they're the ones that actually have the radical positions. It's not the Republicans who are simply saying, look, we need to protect the unborn and we need to find a consensus point where we can do that. Exactly. And I use the the, the boxing analogy, Tony, which is, you know, remember Rocky in the ring when he's taking blow after blow after blow when you're saying, put your hands up, right? We have to do that. Democrats spent $360 million against Republicans just on this issue in the midterms. And many DEC consultants said, don't talk about it. Voters only care about the economy. That's not true. Right. Because when $360 million is spent against you, you need to respond. And we're on the right on this issue. So let's respond and be positive. We will win if we talk about this issue. And let's not let the media or other Republicans say we lost because of abortion. No, we lost from our inability to defend life. You know, I and we have... need to speak up. I, I, I could not agree more. I've had some conversations with some of the Republican leaders who are my friends I've known for years. And, and, and quite frankly, their silence is stunning in some cases. And I don't want to paint everybody with a broad brush, but there's some, you know, I've, there's a couple of stories out there where you've got John Cornyn and others saying, you know, this is a state's issue. Uh, and, and I don't want to go too far naming names because I haven't talked to them personally about this. But You know, for at least four decades, the Republicans have championed this issue, not saying this is a state's issue. It's saying it's a humanity. It's an issue of human rights. We want to see in the party and its platform for years has had a call for a constitutional amendment to protect the unborn. So 
I would think that the Republicans stand to lose a lot of ground if all of a sudden they change their messaging once they've actually succeeded in seeing Roe overturned. Exactly. And we can talk about it in a humanizing way. Listen, I've told you this, Tony, my daughter was born with a severe cleft palate. Uh, in, in some civilizations in our country, somebody could abort a baby just for having a cleft palate, which was fixed within, you know, seven months of mm -hmm. her birth. I mean, these are things that are so dear to me. Life is so precious, but we have to be able to have a conversation. And Democrats are mischaracterizing Republicans as saying we won't give life-saving care for a miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy. That's not true. But if we're uncomfortable talking about life and why we stand for life, then we're going to lose and Democrats will define us. And the reason they don't run on anything else is they can't talk about crime. They can't talk about the border. They can't talk about fentanyl. They can't talk about anything in this country that's going well, energy independence, um, any of the things that Democrats are in charge of is failing. So this is the issue they're going to hone in on, and they're going to do it through misdirection and lies and their allies in the media. And that's where Republicans, we've got to get a backbone. We right. fought for this issue. We should celebrate it, but let's not hide from it. Yeah, absolutely. So last week, uh, when you made the speech from the Reagan Presidential Library, I mean, this is just one of many issues that you talked about in your speech, but it is challenging. Uh, this portion of your speech did challenge Republicans. So any feedback that you've gotten from your remarks there in California? I've actually had a lot of really positive feedback from some presidential candidates and others um, uh, obviously you and, and Marjorie Denenfelser from SBA, but we've been talking about this for a long time. You know, we saw this coming. You and I were meeting early last year uh, and so, before the Dobbs decision came out, same with Marjorie at, at, at Susan B. Anthony. And we understood that we're going to have to message because if there's a vacuum in messaging, the Democrats will fill it. And this is something we need to get good at as a party. I And also as a, a woman, and I, I know you're talking about this too, but as a mother, we should talk about this. And I feel like a lot of our candidates are just so afraid and they don't want to talk about it. It makes them uncomfortable. We've got to be comfortable talking about life. We are on the right side on this. So. Right. It's coming back in 2024, too. This isn't going away. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, they, they feel like they have a wedge issue, an issue, and as long as people are running from it, they're going to keep pressing it. So you're absolutely right. You need to learn how to talk about it. We've been talking about it for 40 years, and so no need to stop talking about it now. I, I want to shift gears for just a moment, uh, Ron, and ask you about the Republicans have announced uh, debates, presidential debates. And one of the things that have been put forth is that you have said uh, no Republican is going to take the stage who will not agree to support the, uh, the final Republican nominee. Tell us about that. You know, I feel really strongly about this, Tony, that we should support the voters. It's not about person to person. It's whoever the voters choose. We need to understand that what Biden is doing to destruct, deconstruct America, to deconstruct the American family, to deconstruct the American dream and the Constitution and the things we hold dear is so catastrophic and so devastating that if we can't rally around our nominee, whoever's on that stage, you can have a tough primary, you can, you know, tumble it out or rough, you know, rough it out and have that fight. But at the end of the day, when the dust settles, we have to support the nominee who the voters chose because what Biden is doing to our country is so much more um, difficult or terrible than anything any Republican can do. So I worry about this because in, in 2022, we saw Republicans refusing to support other Republicans. They just wouldn't do it. And I think this is going to be critical. If you're going to be on the RNC debate stage, 
you're going to pledge to support the voters. Well, Ron, I want to thank you for uh, taking time to join us today. I know you have a busy travel schedule, but I want to thank you for continuing to articulate the party's position. It's the stated position of the party, and that is to defend unborn human life. And so we're grateful for your leadership on that. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for all you do all across the country. You're just amazing and in your organization. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks. Take care. All right. You too. Rana McDaniel, chairwoman of the Republican National Committee. And as I said, she uh, I was actually I think I mentioned this last week, weekend before last. I was in Nashville for an RNC meeting speaking on the life issue uh, with Rana. And throughout the weekend, she brought this up to some of the RNC's major donors and to a host of political leaders that were in the room, governors, senators, congressmen. And uh, she was continuing to push this issue that we need to embrace life. So like I said, um, when I disagree with people, I will talk to them. And fortunately, uh, most of them I have conversations with and uh, we move forward. But when they're doing the right thing, I want you to hear it. And uh, this is what the RNC is doing right now. So I'm in contrast to the Democratic Party. It is night and day. Absolutely night and day. So I'm going to ask you to, you know, when these folks come on the program and they talk about what they're doing, and I do my very best to bring those on who are truthful, and I know that they're telling the truth because I've seen it, not just here on the air, but I see it as I interact with them in Washington and elsewhere. And so I want to encourage you to pray for them. This is a defining issue for our nation. I think God gave us, as I've talked about before, an opportunity to get this right, that court Repented, It changed its mind over abortion. Now we have to do the work of abortion. And God has given this opportunity. He's entrusted us with this moment. I didn't think it would ever come, but it did. And we cannot, we cannot allow what's been happening in this country for the last 50 years to continue. We'll take it state to state, but we need to, to do it what we can at the federal level as well. All right, I want to, I, I wanna, in the few minutes we've got left, I want to bring in Matt Carpenter with FRC Action, who's also working, Action is working, that's our, our, our kind of our political arm at the Family Research Council, working on this issue. And there's ways to talk about this, and there's ways not to talk about it in terms of communicating the message of the sanctity of human life. Uh, Matt, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to be back with you, Tony. Thanks for having me. So you've done in action, you've done extensive polling on the issue, and people want to protect unborn children. When the issue is framed this way, what have we learned? So, Tony, last year, um, right before the Dobbs decision, we put a poll in the field and we asked 1,000 uh, American registered voters, um, would you support or oppose legislation to protect uh, an unborn child at the point at which you can detect a fetal heartbeat. And what we found was 47% of those polled said that they would support such a bill, and only 33% opposed that bill. Now, Tony, when we asked a similar question, although instead of saying protect an unborn child, we asked uh, ban abortion at that same time uh, when, a, when a child's um, uh, heartbeat can be detected, we found only 40% would support um, a piece of legislation framed that way, and we actually found 42% opposed it. So, Tony, that's a 16-point swing just on framing that bill differently. And instead of protecting the unborn child, if you start talking about banning abortion, 
um, you start to see um, voters move on that issue. So, so Matt, that explains why the media approaches it this way from a standpoint of repu- of describing the Republicans' position as wanting to ban abortion. And, and so Republicans, you know, there's like the deer in the headlights. They're like, ooh. Um, and instead of turning around and saying, no, I want to protect unborn children, children who have a heartbeat, children who are sucking their thumb in their mother's womb. What's extreme about that? Where will you draw the line? I mean, that's what they should be doing. Right. You know, and we did hear from Ronna McDaniel earlier talking about going on offense and, and noting that the last cycle and, and even in the most recent um, Wisconsin state Supreme Court election, we saw Republican candidates vastly outspent on this issue on the airwaves. In fact, um, many of them didn't even mention it at all in their campaigns. And so that does leave a void uh, in the electorate's mind. And uh, and it's no surprise then that pro-abortion candidates would then take that opportunity to, sh- to shape the debate and to uh, to move voters in the middle on this. What, our po- what we did find in our polling, Tony, is there is about, a, about, about one-fifth of voters, 20 percent, uh, are unsure on this issue. And so those are people who are going and they're filling out ballots and they're just they're not sure on this issue for some reason. Those are people who can be influenced by what's on the waves. And so uh, if you're a pro-life candidate and you're running for, for election, you have to talk about this issue. It's just too important to not mention. Right. Absolutely. I mean, this is a we, we're, we've got to do the work of changing hearts and minds. And we continue to talk about it as we have for 50 years about the humanity of the unborn. Now is not a time to, to step back or shrink back or be silent. Uh, Matt Carpenter, always great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to, uh, to drop in and visit with us. Thanks for having me, Tony. And, folks, I want to thank you for being with us as well. Be sure and check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 